Hello again, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Help on the Way podcast, where we are featuring May 6th, 1984, Eugene, Oregon, in is that Silva? Sylvia Hall? Um, my uh, name I couldn't Silva Hall? I couldn't find anything about Silva. Yeah, I, I looked it up. I was like, what is this? Is this University of Oregon? Say, like my, my gut reaction was here? to say Sylvia Hall, but I was like, there's not there's not an extra I in there. So uh once again, the main event for this week is May 6th, 1984. Eugene, Oregon, Silva Hall. I am your co-host, the game, here with my fellow co-hosts, Knob and Fig. Uh, let's go ahead and give a nice, warm, hearty World Series good evening, boys. Go oh, Phillies! Nice, good party World Series good evening, boys. See that? Knob, <laughs> Knob literally was taking notes I, as I was <laughs> saying all that nonsense out of my mind. <laughs> I, I saw what you were trying to do there. Uh, so a little peek behind the curtain. We are recording on um, game five night of the Philadelphia Phillies versus the Houston Astros. And the three of us um, are all in little Philadelphia Philly um, area. Um, and while personally I'm not a huge baseball fan, I have kind of been swept away in all of the um, Philadelphia Phillies it's... hoopla. It's special. It's really something special what's going on right now. So I've been watching. I'm, I'm not the biggest baseball fan either. More of a hockey person uh, in football. But um, when the Phillies go deep, you got to watch, you know. So that's what's happening. And yeah, we got game time coming up. Oh, and by the time the listeners hear this, we will have known. Or I guess the listeners will know the outcome. So that's kind of spooky. Yeah. So, hey, if the Astros win this World Series, know right now that we don't know that and we're rooting against them. So, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I went to see Weird Al in Our prayers will not have been weekend. answered. You saw Weird Al? Yeah, I saw Weird Al in Philadelphia this weekend. He's why is, why did that make the show tour. notes? I. I don't know. It didn't seem Grateful Dead related. Enough, you know what? Hold on. But, uh, we're gonna do. We're gonna do a quick pause here, real quick. We're gonna yeah. go right into the Channel Six News right now. Channel 6 News, and our first bullet point is now Nob's post-show report from Weird Al Yankovic. Go ahead, Nob. Sure. This is my second time seeing uh, Mr. Yankovic in concert. Um, I think I first saw him in 2011. I was a small child at the time. Um, But this... Yeah. (laughs) But now... I'm all grown up, and he's doing his all originals tour. It's he's not doing any of the parodies. He's only doing like his tunes, oh, and it okay. was it's it's for the the deep owl heads. It's for those of us who are bored of white <laughs> and nerdy. And uh, I I have to keep saying we and us because I'm in that group. I think there were about three songs he played that I didn't recognize. Um, it was really good. The band normally has a lot of like theatrics and uh like lights behind them and uh they pared it down it was very much about the band they were sitting down i mean the guys are all pushing 60 um but they still put on an incredible performance even with the pared down theatrics it's a long Um, performance too right yeah it was about they pretty much did like one two hour long set um okay but anyway the reason i brought it up 63 years young Jeez! Wow. Yeah, he's he's the only guy in his band who doesn't have gray hair, and uh, I'm starting to think he might dye it. Um, not weird out. That's not even his original hair, bro. That's just a mop. That's true. That's just That's true. Yeah, it's a mop that they found at some point in his career. 
Yeah, the movie's coming out on Friday. It'll be out by the time our listeners listen to this. But uh, very excited for the Weird Al movie. Um, but the so why did you mention this... Weird Al? And then I want to mention yeah, something reason... about Weird Al. So go ahead. The reason I brought this up is that uh, I think it was game one of the World Series that night. Uh, and pretty much in between the songs, the usher was running up and down the aisle going, zero, zero, end of the second, one, two, you know? Like, she was with all oh, As if everybody everyone. cared. I, and in this crowd, they did. There was one person annoyed. Oh, there was. Who was like a corner behind me who was annoyed because she didn't want to know because she wanted to watch it when she got home. But uh, no, everyone was, was very much enraptured. I was gonna say I thought so the the, the, Venn, the Venn diagram between Weird Al fans and and fanatic baseball fans would not be you know touching, but I guess I'm wrong. Think? There was there was definitely a point. The opening act made a joke about how uh, it it would probably be rude to stereotype, but just by looking at the crowd, everyone in the room had been bullied today. <laughs> And uh, that got today, big... today, yeah. that's good. Yes, that's good. Got a big laugh from everybody. So uh, no, but at least in yeah. Philadelphia, as long as the World Series is going on. Oh, it was in Al Philly. Head. Okay. Oh I yeah, that's you. why. That's why I brought all this up. Okay. I'm <laughs> right. So my little Weird Al thing. I, I, I I'm not a Weird Al fan anymore. Not if you want to go see Weird Al, I, I'm totally down. Um, same thing for We're you, game. Okay. Well, next next tour. You know, let's do it. But. I would think Weird Al, he was the first musical act that actually I really got into. I remember being yep. in grade school, and I had uh, one of his greatest hits albums on cassette, and I had Alapalooza on cassette. Yes. It was like a That's Jurassic the Park. the first one I bought on CD, yes. Yeah, yes. and I, I would, like, that was the first music that I really got into. Um, and, and and he was the first guy I saw um, perform live. Uh, it was at Hershey yeah. Park, probably sometime in the early 90s. And yeah, Weird Al, thanks, man. You kicked off this whole thing that is uh, culminating in today's podcast. That was also my first show. That's very funny, too. Uh, it is interesting. <laughs> he's, he's, I mean, I'm sure this is not uh, unique to, to the two of ours' experience. I'm sure he's the entree to um, a lot of people's musical tastes. Yes, I'm a lot of cool. families when I saw him. And uh, I was really not bummed, but, you know, I wanted to smoke weed. But there were too many children around me, too many families. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure if he was my first concert. But he was definitely my he's definitely my second or third concert. And I wanna say awesome. I saw him in Bloomsburg at the Bloomsburg Fair. Cool. And uh, I was always impressed by the number of costume changes. Yeah. That he did. Like a considerable amount of costume changes. But anyway, well, you, you don't know who he's parodying unless he looks like them. Like that is true. Unless I he's in not... a fat suit. For, exactly. For fat. <laughs> when when he starts singing <laughs> fat, I really needed him in the fat suit, and thankfully <laughs> he delivered. <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna go ahead and shift some gears here, and we're gonna go ahead and bring this <laughs> okay, party this is... down to a, oh, to, yeah. a to a to a screeching halt. We gotta uh, talk about some other band on our Weird Al podcast. <laughs> Yes, this is episode one of the Weird Al Yankovic and Friends podcast. This is uh, where Weird <laughs> Al um, divvies off and brings John Mayer aboard, and uh, they start singing songs together. Um, anyway, I would Weird love <laughs> to see Weird Al and company play the slowest <laughs> "Eat It" you've ever heard. And you just have people on the bum, on like bum, the bum, 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 speed bum, it up, bum, 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 tempo, tempo. tempo. Remember Al in the eighties? Oh my god. <laughs> 
So we are going to go ahead and shift gears here, though, quickly and talk about something sad. Uh, a member of the Grateful Dead and I don't know, maybe not Grateful Dead um, of the Bob Weir musical family um, passed away um, just a few days ago, I believe on the 28th or 29th of October, rather. Um, Robin Sylvester, who was a member of Rat Dog, uh, primarily as a bass player, passed away on October the 29th. Um, and the Wolf Brothers dedicated a show. Um, now, do you know if it was on that same night where they dedicated that show, or was that on another? It was. Was it on the 29th? If it wasn't on the 29th, it was on the 30th. It was definitely that uh, that weekend. It, it was the 29th. I'm on That's the Wikipedia page. Nice. So, um, thoughts and condolences. Um, I believe this wasn't a um, this wasn't a sudden um, passing, no, so to speak. Um, I do remember there was, um, I believe, even a GoFundMe um, or something set up for Robin maybe a few weeks or months, maybe even years ago, now that I remember. Um, but thoughts, positive vibration, prayers, etc. to uh, Robin uh, and all of Robin's um Here's an interesting fact family. about Robin Sylvester from the Wikipedia page. He, he worked as an assistant at Abbey Road Studios when the Beatles recorded uh, the Abbey Road album, and he was inspired by Paul McCartney to, to take up bass guitar. Pretty cool. Wow. And down the line, he becomes Rat Dog's bassist. That's awesome. Cool little connection there. And our final little bit of um, Channel 6 News this week is the 50th anniversary re-release of uh, the Garcia self-titled solo album. Um you know what? I gotta be honest with you guys. I really don't know all that too much about the self-titled um, Garcia album, so I'm gonna pass this off to one of you two um, to sort of fill in the blanks here of the stuff that I'm missing. I'm going to take um, it away. Sure. This is the album Jerry made when he wanted to buy a house. Um, <laughs> it's half a joke, but he does. I mean, Jerry plays all of the instruments on this album except for the drums, which are played by Kreutzmann. Um, all of these are Garcia Hunter songs. This was all about maximizing, uh, you know, the amount of money that Jerry would see out of this. And as well as get a bunch of his songs that he uh, felt really strongly about but hadn't yet made it onto a Grateful Dead record. Um, like The Wheel and Deal and other songs that don't rhyme with each other. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, there are some big ones. Again, I'm on the Wikipedia page. We're talking some pretty, pretty heavy, heavy hitters here. Uh, you know, throughout the Grateful Dead's history, uh, Deal, Birdsong, Sugary, Loser, Top. You know, that's side one. Yeah. And um, we get to Lay Me Down, um, and uh, the Wheel, and and certain other pieces. So yeah, some really heavy hitters here. Yeah. So they're re-releasing that uh, because it came out 50 years ago. Um, I think it's a vinyl run. That'll be cool. Ooh. I, I would love it was a vinyl run. Yeah, I would. I don't know if I would pick this one up. Um, I've heard this album a couple of times. It's it's good. It's it's not something I don't think I, I really need for my collection. Strong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's just great to hear Jerry do his thing. Um, but if the family and knowing the family, they will be doing this. Uh, keep releasing, you know, the studio albums. Um, in, in honor of the 50th anniversary, um, I will definitely be buying 
uh, Cats Under the Stars. <laughs> that would be no. uh, a collection for anybody's any Grateful Dead's uh, record collection. Um, and I think, I mean, I think the uh, it's hard to find right now. It goes for you know a lot of money, certain pressings. So it'd be cool to see like a remastered version of that. But um, yeah, if you're interested in the Garcia album, it's coming out soon. The 50th anniversary limited edition vinyl set will be pressed on 180 gram gold nugget vinyl. Wow. And it is a limited edition of ten thousand. Um, something tells me that this album is probably out of my price range just a little bit since it's pressed on a hundred and eighty gram gold nugget vinyl. Um, but Do you guys collect records? Do you guys have record collections? I don't think I we've have ever to, talked about this. I I'll be honest. I had one, and then I I had one as an adult, like within the past five or six years um, okay. i got a bunch and then i started curating my own um and then when i moved in with my now wife i never did anything with them ever you still have them i got rid of them and Ooh. now i sold the whole lot to a, a little independent record store i it, i felt like i did it right like i gave back to the community so to speak uh but yeah i kind of wish i didn't do that but I can always get back into it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I uh, I have a like childhood teenage dumb vinyl collection. Um, in college, just because I didn't have as much space or money, um, I <laughs> didn't buy as many records, especially new records. But I've been getting back into it. I recently saw Miss Mojo in Philadelphia. Um, I love them. They're really good. And I bought their record. And usually if I buy a record these days, it's because the title is funny or the cover is funny. I love a funny yes. record. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like a pack rat. And, you know, I kind of just buy to collect. Like, I'll, like I don't really even listen to my records, but it's kind of like uh, if, if one comes across, I'm like, yeah, I need that in, in record format. I'm going to buy it. So I have like a pretty random record collection. Um, but it is fun. Um, so, yeah, this might be another one to add to the collection. Now, let's get to our main event this week, which is, if I remember correctly, um, this was a show I was not uh, really looking forward to. Uh, however, this one surprised the ever-loving hell out of me. Um, we are talking about May 6th, 1984, in Eugene, Oregon, uh, Silva Hall. Uh, and I believe uh, we don't have, I'm not sure what day of the week. You know, I was quick to do some math here. It was a Monday oh, show. Yeah. Sunday. Sunday show. Um, okay, I could see that with. Unless um, you're Samson. Yeah, yeah with Samson stuff. That's what made me Google it. <laughs> so, once again, May 6th, 84, Eugene, Oregon. I'm going to go ahead and get right into reading set one. And then we will go into our thoughts. Um, set one opened up with a kick in hell on a bucket. Then we got Direwolf, a little red rooster. Um, our first Dupree's Diamond Blues on this podcast. Uh, Cassidy, West LA Fadeaway, beat it all down the line, which I didn't count how many beats they did, but I don't think it was too many. <laughs> Um, and then set one ended with a pretty speedy touch of gray. Um, Fig, let's go ahead and get your thoughts on set number one. 
Yeah, definitely, because you know I counted, because uh, that's you know a, a a majority of what I add to this podcast is how many beats they did on any given night. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm just like I'm, I'm the beat writer. What can I say? Um, so, uh, bucket. I always love a good bucket opener, and this one. So again, I, I've I've kind of had a uh, you know. Uh, a change in heart or like a, I don't know, kind of a religious moment here where I realized that I've been doing this whole project wrong and I've been focusing on soundboard when I really should have been focusing on the matrix and the audience recordings because um, I, the first time I listened to this show, I listened to it on the soundboard and it, it wasn't working for me. Um, Bucket, I, I felt was very sloppy. And um, even on the audience recording, I think something was wrong with Bobby's vocals where he, um, you know, the, the first line, there's like no vocals whatsoever. And then all of a sudden he goes, pow, you know, just like her. Which is actually kind of a cool way to start the song, um, unintentionally. But yeah, the first time I listened to Bucket, I thought it was kind of sloppy. Um, and then once I heard it on the odd, uh, it was actually really fun because everyone was jazzed up and clapping along to see the Grateful Dead with one of their uh, best, in my opinion, opening uh, songs. Um, so we get to Direwolf, which was just a good ditty. I don't really have much to, too much to say about it. Little Red Rooster. Um, I, I think that we should start, since we've been featuring Little Red Rooster uh, so often, and since Knob um, has, has coined a term called the Pantheon of the Rooster, I believe. Uh, I think we should start uh, you know, telling the audience whether this particular version of Rooster would enter the Pantheon of the Rooster. Um, this one was okay. I don't think it would enter the Pantheon. Um, it does feature a, a pretty blistering Brent Midland organ solo, so definitely look at that. Uh, Bobby is on the slide. It was uh, listenable uh, in a vague sense of the word. Um, I'm not a, a huge Little Red Rooster fan, and but I can see how some of them could be good. This was not my favorite. Uh, similarly, Dupree's. Um, so Dupree's Diamond Blues is not one of my favorite songs. I don't rate it very highly, but I did think this was a decent take on it. Um, so two, I think, episodes ago, we did feature a March 1984 show. Mm. Of course, this is a four show. And one of my critiques of Jerry was uh, kind of the nasally sense that, in kind of a lackadaisical attitude that he took lead vocals. And in Dupree's, I heard that again. And so, you know, that kind of rose me the wrong way, but Jerry kind of picked things up with a, a pretty decent uh, guitar solo. We get to Cassidy, and, um, you know, one of the, you know, one of my knocks with Brent Midland's uh, organ, you know, and, and synth sound is, I've been saying this for, for a while, like, it just doesn't work. And, and what I've realized is that it doesn't work in the soundboard, but if you go to the audience recording, it actually does work because it creates a whole, um, atmosphere and it, it actually accentuates what the band's doing. So once I listened to this Cassidy um, on the odd, I realized that that was the difference. And, it, and Brent was actually adding to the band rather than uh, doing something weird with his tone. Um, I thought Cassidy had a pretty decent build, uh, wasn't the best payoff. So it was just like a pretty, pretty decent Cassidy. West LA Fadeaway uh, had uh, some good pace. Um, and that's something that can drag for me, but I thought the pace was really good, had some good dynamics. Um, and I liked what Brent was doing with the synth. We get to beat it down the line. Does anybody want to guess how many beats they did? Just to throw it out there. I'm going to say six. It was six. You got it. Was it really? Um, yeah, it was six. 
works. Yeah, was, and then they played the song, and the song was quick. Uh, Touch, I thought, the first time I, I listened to it, I, th- I thought it was kind of sloppy. Um, but then I listened to the audience, and it, and it was a great uh, great tempo, and the the beat pushed, and the audience responded, and it was actually a lot of fun. So that is my take on set one. Let's kick it over to Nob for uh, his take. Thanks, Fig. Uh, <laughs> I... I uh, I like this first set. I went with the, uh, what was it, the Hilco soundboard? Not the Miller one. The more recent one. And I found, mm-hmm. especially Bucket, the mix just took a little while to gel in my brain. The instruments were very spaced out. Um, and it definitely, I think the audio, or the audience one sounds better on first listen. But I did, as the soundboard goes on, I do, uh, I do dig it. Um, I think Direwolf was probably the first song to click for me. I mean, it's the second song of the night, but uh, I thought it was it was just a short but sweet version. It was smoking, it was grooving, it, mm-hmm. nothing, there was no amazing solo, but it worked. It was fine. It was great. Um, yeah, in Rooster, uh, Brent's solo and Jerry's solo are both really nice, um, especially Jerry's, like, second solo. Um, this definitely doesn't make my rooster pantheon, but it's probably close <laughs> to fine. Um, nice. It's moving on to Dupree's. It's always interesting to me that this song is the third most played Oxamoxa song, and it's it lasted longer in the rep more than anything besides China Cat Sunflower. Um, I think it's just because it's relatively easier, but it's still got some weirdness to it. Um, yeah. The song's a little high for Jerry's voice, especially on a night like tonight, um, and so the sung parts weren't really wowing me. Um, I liked the jams, though. Uh, Brent's keys almost sounded like like wine glasses, you know, when you, you get people to, to spin them. Um, I thought that was a nice sound. Um, and Jerry's second Mutron-y solo was a lot of fun. Um... It's a fast Cassidy, but I enjoy the jams nevertheless. Like, everything, you know, everything is fast tonight, but this is the first song that's, like, noticeably fast, in my opinion. Um, But the jam was still a lot of fun. I'd never noticed how complex Bobby's part in that song is, but I was really listening to him, and uh, he does some crazy stuff to follow Jerry. Um, A slinky West L.A. fadeaway... I dug that they were able to keep this one kind of slow, relatively. Um, Jerry sounded really nice. Uh, the Bobby slide sounded pretty good in a supportive role. I don't really have, like, an intelligent thought here. I just like the sounds that everyone's making. Um, so Bobby beat it on down the line with some nice solos, and that's probably too much to say about it, truth be told. Um... With Touch of Grey, I really do. I enjoyed this younger, more piss and vinegar feel to Touch of Grey. Like, sure. Jerry doesn't know all the vocals. He gets the verses mixed up. The transitions from verse to chorus and to bridge are a little bit rough. Jerry's solo starts out kind of rough. But it's all right. We will get by. There's a really nice recovery (laughs) from Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. Um, There's just some really nice enthusiasm energy behind it that, uh, I don't know, there's something about it that it really fits the we will get by, we will survive lyric. I don't know. I like it with a little less polish there. Um, I I will say, I've always 
looking for a live touch that just blows my mind like the um like the recorded version does and, and you know the video yeah. growing up watching it and everything and i've never i've yet to hear one i've been doing this project for over eight years so um yeah. I, I, I am looking out for that i hope that that exists um i don't i'm not looking for recommendations you know it'll happen when it happens <laughs> When you're ready. Um, yeah, I kind of yeah. feel that way about Shakedown Street. I don't have a lot of live Shakedown Streets that I love. Um, I finally did find one that I love, New Year's 84. But it's not a lot, truth be told. Anyway, getting off topic. I liked set one. What did you think, Gabe? I thought it was great. Um, so I thought, um, I listened to, I didn't listen to the odd, I don't think think i listened to whatever was the top source um on re-listen so probably charlie miller i would assume um i really enjoyed the whole show um so it kicked off with how in a bucket which i thought was good and fast paced um dire wolf was good um little red rooster i really enjoyed um and that's one i can normally take or leave um but i was outside this morning at 4 30 in the morning and Little Red Rooster was blaring as I was walking the dogs, and I was like, this shit is great. Um, Did it make you come? It, it, yeah, I want to say yeah. Um, yeah, um, it was probably the better, the, one of the best ones we've, we've heard recently. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, right. And then we go on to Dupree's Diamond Blues, which is another one I really enjoyed. Um, Maybe it's just because it's different. Uh, we just haven't heard it on this podcast yet. Um, but I was very, very, very much into Dupree's. Um, Cassidy was good. Um, West LA Fadeaway was good. Um, Beat It On Down The Line was quick. Nothing really special. Um, and Touch Your Great was fast. Um, for me, I don't want to say a perfect set one. Um but for a 1984 show, this is really good. I really yeah. liked set There isn't one. really a dud. Hmm. Normally, you'll get like one, maybe two. But really, everything works here in this first set. Yeah, er everything just... was... Go ahead. What? No, 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 go ahead. No. Well, What's yeah, I'm, I'm just going to have to... I'm just going to disagree. <laughs> no, shit on it. Shit on it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not going to show on it either. I mean, everything was well played. Um, it's it's for me. It's um, Grateful Dead. I just I don't know what I'm doing here, guys. I'm just I'm torturing myself with this Grateful Dead music. Um, no, it's it's like it. yeah. Eight years ago, uh, set set choice for me. Um, it's the you know these songs are just not my personal favorites. Uh, Bucket is is my favorite opener, and then Touch of Grey as as a as a set one closer. That's pretty cool too. Um, the rest just don't really do it for me, and and I think that's not a 1984 thing. That's just kind of how I rate Grateful Dead song. Um, but it's cool because hey, next week we'll they're doing something entirely different, and maybe I'll like that better. So you know, I'm just pushing back because this podcast would not be interesting if we all agreed. And on that note, let's go ahead and shimmy on over to set number two. Um, set number two kicked off with a very mellow Uncle John's band into Samson and Delilah. Then we got a lovely Ship of Fools into playing in the band, China Doll. Then we got drums, 
Space, Truckin, Spoonful, Black Peter, Around and Around, playing in the band. And in my opinion, that's where the show stopped, should have stopped. However, <laughs> the boys then decided to grace us with an encore of Keep Your Day Job. So uh, let's go ahead and send it over to Knob first this time for his thoughts on set number two. Sure. Thank you. Um, I enjoyed the second set. Um, Uncle John's band, it hit all the right notes in the composed part. Um, there were like a couple of flubs, uh, but I re- and everyone had a nice good laugh when they fucked up the it's the same story the crow told me uh, pickup. But it was fun. I liked Mickey's cowbell. It was really nice and present in the mix. Um, I like Uncle John's as a set two opener. And then we get to Samson and Delilah. I, I, look, I'm a sucker for the Hammond B3. This has been said on the podcast before. It'll be said on the mm-hmm. podcast again. So maybe don't take my word for it. But the intro to this Samson, when they're doing the drums, and then suddenly the organ comes in, it's so badass. Oh, it's so yeah. good. The, I, it's a bucking bronco of a Samson's. You know, Bobby's doing the exact Rant. same vocal delivery that he does on every version of Samson and Delilah, and it's working, but the band is bringing it. Some could say it's a little too coked up for its own good, but those people are cowards. I think this Samson is my highlight of the night. It's it's just, it rips. Um, you need a breather after that. Um, I, and so Ship of Fools was great there. I appreciate the sensitivity from everybody but it's not my favorite jerry ballad we're gonna get in this set um bob vocally comes in really hot for playing in the band they're really he's ready for playing in the band um the composed part is zippy it's fine um i really like the jerry and phil interplay at the start of the jam um the jam could get spacey but it always had a sense of drive like uh, any good playing in the band does um, the transition to China Doll was interesting. It started working for me, and then it stopped working for me, and then it started working for me again. So I'm gonna round off and say that it works. Um, Jerry's solo in China Doll, the first one. Oh, that's why you come to Grateful Dead shows. Uh, music making like that is what keeps me listening. It was beautiful, beautiful. A lovely transition into the bridge of China Doll. Um, I was running behind today, so I skipped drums. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I you missed I, it. I I kept go. I didn't skip it at the start, but I kept going until it stopped being fun for me, and that was about three minutes in. Um, trucking worked. Um, a classic Bobby moment on the the warrant verse. Um. It's Spoonful is always interesting to me as a trucking pair because it it's just so much slower, but I kind of really enjoy that slowdown. Um, this was a fun one. It, you know, it didn't really so, wow me. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here because this was a different blend of Spoonful, if you will, than, than what um, the dead usually do. Um, usually the dead go with like more of a traditional arrangement of the song. They actually played Cream's arrangement of Spoonful, and it 
I've always wondered why they didn't play it, you know, kind of, you know, because I, I grew up listening to Cream and, and it's an amazing song and it's a great cover. So whenever I, I heard that the, the dead play Spoonfly, I always expected them to play it like Cream, but they never did. They played it more of a traditional. But this was actually straight on down the line, exactly what I um, wanted, uh, always wanted them to hear or to play it as. Um, so I talked to you now at one point about about that exact kind of dichotomy and you said you had never heard of cream spoonful you, you never listened to it um did yeah. you ever get a chance to do that I'm, I'm thinking no at this point no i did i did i'm just i'm not a cream person i really oh my gosh. i know i i like the originals of those songs too much to uh uh to okay you don't have to be exactly like me <laughs> to to put up with Eric Clapton doing them. Um, I don't know. It's a little too... To me, what I like about the blues is that edge, and I respect Clapton's Mm. chops, but it's just too polished for me. Um, And that's... Like, it it works, and I get why it works for other people, but I would would rather hear Howlin' Wolf do Spoonful than hear Cream do Spoonful pretty much any day of the week. Okay, interesting. But that's just I'm I'm in general I don't like a lot of the British invasion bands takes on the uh, the Willie Dixon canon. Gotcha. Um, with a more agreeable opinion, a uh, lot of Jerry ballads in this second set. Um, a couple of bum notes at the start of the solo, but I thought the Black Peter solo was also really lovely, similar to that China doll. Um. The bridge hits hard. Mm-hmm. They bring the energy and the harmonies to that this see, here, a how see here how everyone. Yeah. It it hits in the same way that that uh the wings to fly in Addicts of My Life hit last week. Really Recall. nice. Recall. Um yeah. yeah, thanks. Um I really enjoyed the second Black Peter jam. Brent added these really nice organ flourishes. It's a rough transition into a round and around, but the song picks up and has some really nice energy to it. The hits all hit right. Bobby's losing his voice, I must admit. But uh, it sounded fun. It was a, a really nice high energy. That Black Peter around and around might be my favorite two-song run of this show. Maybe it's the Uncle John Samson. One of those two. Um, and it's, you know, the transition into the playing reprise is rough. But once it gets going, it really cooks. Um, and a fun boppy day job to, uh, to bring us home. I can't, I can't find myself caring enough about day job to hate it. I, like, it just, <laughs> it's, to me, it's, it's like getting mad at sparkling water. Like, it's just, it's just there. It's just there, it, yeah. Don't get me, what I rather hear might as well, anytime day job plays, sure. But if I close my eyes, am I already kind of listening to might as well anyway? Yeah. Um, so somewhere in there were my thoughts on set two. What did you think, Fig? <laughs> awesome. Um, I'll jump in. So, yeah, you, you read my mind on some stuff. Some stuff uh, I felt a little bit differently than you. Um, You're not going to have my I'm, cream take? I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. I mean, I already kind of, you know, gave yeah, my yeah. take on, on cream. I know. But... Um, <laughs> Uncle John's band, uh, it, it turned from a very pretty version of Uncle John's band, kind of what you would expect, and then it turns, as, as it often does, into a dark corner. But this one was was very dark, like like 
extremely dark. Um, and I, I thought it was actually really cool and, and a very interesting transition from the way that it started. Uh, like you, Nub, I think it's a great uh, set to opener. Uh, then we get to Samson. And yeah, I, I just wrote down it was very fast with some good energy. Um, the band sounded great. And then things just kind of dropped off a cliff with Ship of Fools. We've seen this placement uh, before, you know, kind of like the middle of the beginning of set two. And I just, I never liked it. I, I always think it just, it's too much of a change, especially with, um, as you said, you know, Samson being, you know, sort of racehorse. And then, and then what we get interestingly in set two here is a Ship of Fools, what I will call a Big Mac, because it's Ship of Fools. No, sorry, not Ship of Fools. Playing of the band. Uh, uh, playing in the band Big Mac. Imagine a Ship of Fools Big Mac. Imagine <laughs> I can see Dead and Company doing that. <laughs> out of every song you just hear, it was later. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it just continues. Um, and the reason it's a Big Mac, I'll, I'll get to that. But anyway, so playing in the band starts it, playing in the band ends it, and it's a, you know, a ton of songs in, in between. But actually, interestingly, they actually try to go back into playing in the band after China Doll. I don't know if you guys caught that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just playing around with it, and then they let it go into drums in space. But yeah, playing uh, was was good. I really like China Doll. Um, Jerry had a, uh, some great solos there on the outro. Uh, it was interesting to hear them kind of flirt with going back into playing, but they never did until later in the show. Uh, drums in space was actually really good. I- I really liked what they were doing. It got uh, really out there. Um, it, I started hearing the Gamelon music, like uh, we talked about the last '84 show. Um, but I also started hearing some, like uh, you know, some some just kind of out there, you know, spacey playing. Um, to my ears, it sounded like King Crimson, um, which I've mentioned before on this sh- on this podcast. Uh, sometimes they go proggy, and it's pretty cool when they do. Uh, Trucking, I really liked. This was a fun one to listen to on the audience recording, because after Drums in Space, the band really, or sorry, the crowd really wanted Trucking, <laughs> and and the band did not um, let them down. Uh, we get to Spoonful, which again, I, I, I love Cream's version, and this is just because I grew up on this music, so, you know, for me, this was kind of a, f- a fulfillment for something that I wanted to hear from the, be- the band played, and I really liked the version of this. And Black Peter gets the award probably for it's kind of a similar with with Uncle John's band where it started off one place and ended up someplace else. Um, it started off in my words meh. I didn't like Jerry's vocals. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very vocal heavy you know song. Uh, 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 yeah. It demands a, a good vocal performance by Jerry. Uh, and he was doing his lackadaisical '84 stuff, and like I just wasn't really into it. And as Knob suggested or or said, once Brent comes in and Bobby comes in to help him with the see here how every day leads up to this day uh, middle portion everything got better and then just amazing soloing great jamming uh, coming out of Black Peter uh, around and around I don't have anything about uh, but then we get back into uh, playing in the band reprise um, so that completes the uh, the Big Mac and I have nothing to say about keep your day job except this is the second week in a row where we're featuring a day job encore so that's my take and uh, game. What are your thoughts, bro? Um, really good set two to keep up with the really good set one trend. Um, Uncle John's band was very laid back, um, very chill, and I really enjoyed it. Um, Samson and Delilah with that Sunday feel was good. Um, Ship of Fools was, as Nob said, a nice change of pace from Samson and Delilah. Um, playing in the band, um. Okay, I don't really have much to say about playing in the band. Um, really enjoyed China Doll. 
Um, as per usual, I skipped through drums in space. In fact, I feel like I skipped drums with like 30 seconds left in China Doll. That's how I was like, I, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, have the, a feeling. The transition happened early, I think. Y- yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm like, this seems a little too drummy to be China Doll. And then I looked at the set list. I'm like, aha. Um, so <laughs> I did I did that. Um, I really enjoyed I will trucking. say, if you have a moment, I, I would give Drums in Space a re-listen um, on, on this one. It was actually quite worth it. I can't put it into words, but, uh, you know, if you do have, what, like, and it, was, and it was relatively short. It was like a 15, 20-minute Drums in Space. It was it was cool. They, I'll, they, they I'll do it for my, um, I'll do it for my morning dog walk tomorrow morning. There you go. It'll be my, it'll be a Drums in Space power dog walk. Um, trucking was good. <laughs> um, Spoonful was good. Um, Black Peter, I thought was really good. Uh, Around in the Round, okay. Um, and playing in the band reprise, pretty good. Um, hopefully we get no more keep your day jobs. Um, in 2022, I'm kind of um, kind of over the keep your day job, especially for the encore. It just yeah, <sighs> I wouldn't. I don't know if I would have minded day job as much if it was like the set one closer but yeah. as an encore it's mm. got a weird show close vibe yeah and it's yeah, just it kind of like, leaves a bad taste in your mouth no yeah. one wants it like you don't hear the crowd going crazy like i know but anyway um really 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 good show um surprising. would it be on your book of the dead you know what? Let's just shift into the Book of the Dead conversation right now, and I'm going to say yes. Um, I would, and I think maybe in December, we should go through and figure out all of our Books of the Dead, um, and maybe the final episode of the year could be like reviewing those Books of the Dead for each of us or something, because um, I'm not sure how many shows I have on my Book of the Dead, but yeah, I would say... Film. Yeah, I would say right now though, um, five six eighty four definitely makes my book of the dead. How about you, Fig? Um, no, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> it was decent. Um, I, I like the odd a lot better than the soundboard. Um, but no, I'll pass on it. And uh, I think I'm I'm a soft yes. I think similarly, we'll see where I'm at at the end of the year, and I could comfortably see this getting knocked off my list. But at the moment. Yeah, I think it might make it. If if we start looking at like years, like this is yeah. probably like my favorite nineteen eighty four show. Um, it's a good one. Nice. Yeah, yeah, we could, I, start, I, we could I, start breaking it down. I mean, you know, at, at the end of the year, we we could do a lot with that data. I think it's our I, podcast. We could do whatever we want. We can do whatever <laughs> we want. And if people don't uh, like to listen to it, they can just skip to the end and listen to the Grateful Dead. Don't tell them that. Don't, yeah, they don't need. They, they don't need to know that. To hear the show, this is this is like the secret, like key to get you through to the to the set. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, speaking the of credits, scene is an entire Grateful Dead set. <laughs> speaking of set, um, Nob, would you prefer set number one or set number two to be featured? Sure. I honestly, going in, thought I was going to vote for set number one. But as you could tell from the way I started this sentence, I think I'm going to vote set two. Um, it's got the Samson, which is my highlight of the night, and Black Peter around and around is gorgeous. And Fig? 
I'll, I'll jump in. Yeah, I'll, I'll do two. Um, I had the power last year, or last week, so I'll, I'll give it to you, game. Or actually, you're already outvoted. Yeah, I was <laughs> Don't worry, I was going to be a set one boy anyway. Um, the whole show was good. Um, I really enjoyed set one, maybe a smidge more than set two. But that's really just because uh, if Jumps in Space was in set one, I'd probably pick set two. Um, so for, for me, it's a set one. Uh, but I was outvoted two to one. So after our podcast, please make sure and stick around to listen to set two of may 6th 1984 in eugene oregon now before we wrap up let's look at next week's show uh next week's show ooh, it looks like it is a wednesday night july 8th 1981 from st louis missouri uh, it looks like there is not a soundboard available, but there is a nice sounding odd available. So I am looking forward to that. Uh, and a quick look at the set list. I'm seeing no day job. So that's already a a positive <laughs> there. Day job hasn't been written yet at this point in history. And they should look back and they should be like, you know what? We should not write this song. <laughs> that would uh, be the first hop in our DeLorean and make that happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need to go back to the future, everybody. Um, and just doing some quick... Um, it looks like a heater. It really yeah. does. Uh, we get it looks another, really cool. Combos. We get another yeah. little red rooster. Um, so we get we compare and contrast again. Um, set one opens up with a Mississippi half step. Um, we got a nice feel like Not stranger. Maybe. Yeah, maybe Knob gets the stranger that he's after. Yes. Um, don't, take, don't take that out of context. <laughs> we have a set one Althea, um, and then set one also closes with China Cat. I know you, Ryder. Then set two. Um, that's a that's a, that's a nice little yeah wow holy shit. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I don't even know Imagine if I really got into started. Night. What'd you say? Imagine going to the next night and having the having to figure out what set list is going to be next. Imagine watching this on Nugs and being like, "Shit, yeah. I ain't gonna play anything tomorrow night." Damn it. Um, they just, so set they bust one. Day job. <laughs> Stop it. Somehow. Um, uh, set one ends with trying to cat sunflower, and the first five songs of set two is. Scarlet Begonias into Fire of the Fire of the Mountain into Lost Sailor into Saint of Circumstance into Franklin's Tower. Um, damn, that is a yeah. that, that's a power yeah. stretch right there. Yeah the 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 one thing we mentioned about the show is that there is no existing soundboard recording. Uh, however, there are a few audience um, sources out there. One is a pretty nice sounding Charlie Miller. Charlie Miller for um so I, I listened to it just before the podcast just to make sure because sometimes audience audience recordings are just not listenable but this one was very listenable so um yeah I'm really looking forward to this one it should be, should be a great one all right let's go ahead and get our bookkeeping done for the evening so we can quickly huddle to our television and watch those fighting fillies um as always please go ahead and smash that subscribe button and like and share with any and all of your podcast and music loving friends and family 
You may find us at wherever podcasts are downloaded, but not ones that rhyme with Sportify. Um, so if you have a service and it rhymes with Sportify and it has a green and black circle logo, you won't find us on that one. However, you will find us on pretty much any other podcast platform. You may find us directly on the web at helponthewaypod.podbean.com. You may email us at helponthewaypod at gmail.com. You may also interact with us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Grateful Dead. And a Twitch channel that I swear is going to eventually make its comeback. Twitch.tv slash the GD channel. Um, that's it for me for the evening. Um, any final words from you, Knob or Fig? We will get by. We will survive. Go Phillies. Go, go birds. <laughs> and on that note, we thank you once again. I for a Giants to... fan. Yeah, well, the, I've, my fun, my, my really annoying fact I've been throwing out all week is that the Philly fanatic is a bird. Um, so it's not incorrect to say go birds about the Phillies. It's the most um actually uh, fact that I know off the top of my head. Uh, but uh, yeah, go birds. Where else? I think can he's you get an, a podcast? I'm pretty sure he's an alien. <laughs> no, I don't want you spreading misinformation on this. No, I've Googled this. I know it's true. Listen, he's a bird. This is a Weird Al podcast. This is not a misinformation and spreading lies podcast where else oh. can you get a weird owl front-loaded podcast a grateful dead middle and then a, is it a bird at the end I, I know for a fact that robert hunter wrote bird song about the philly fanatic that on, is true and on that note we right. thank you for i'll listening get up and fly to away <laughs> we thank you for listening to the help on the way podcast <laughs>
your first ship sink and drown from rocking up the boat and all that could not sink or swim was just left there to flow
Heroes of Neon, the flashing of my kids on the main street. Chicago, New York, Detroit, and it's on the same street. Typical city involvement, typical daydream. Hang it up and see what tomorrow brings. Dallas, down a soft machine. Houston, too close to New Orleans. New York, got the ways and means. Just won't let you
o'clock The whole place, it was packed The front doors, it was locked Cause that whole place is packed But when the police knocked Them on doors, they back But no, it never stopped rocking
day. 